picture wasn't quite right. Well, it's because right ready. Our technological staff uh, didn't get some things in place for uh, us. For us, uh, we've got a problem on mic two over here. Mic two caused the trouble. He called it worse. Called it. I was the tech guy, and but we're up and running. Fortunately, Suzanne had my microphone working right off the bat. Isn't it great to have a team? <laughs> Whose names change every single episode. Well, we have had a bit of turnover with bastards. Turns out working we with We just us can't keep good people. It's, it's not as fun as it seems. And, well, part of the problem is just we haven't been able to get the sponsorships that we needed to get. <laughs> so, so we can't keep... We can't keep good staff. We got a sponsorship in 2020. We, he did give it. And then I think 2021, the sponsorships fell off to, well, zero. Zero, yeah. I can there, remember. There, there wasn't really a, a whole lot of, there wasn't a long line of people wanting to sponsor. You know, we're probably not marketing this thing like we should be. <laughs> or it could be that someone is scared to death to be associated with this rambling. Well... We would be saying your name a lot. <laughs> Rob Abercrombie and the Abercrombie team, back when they sponsored us. We, if you hadn't bailed on us. Man, what a time to sell a house. <laughs> yes. So I talked to someone yesterday, and they've got like 12 pre-approvals for their clients and no houses. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy. makes me feel like I should sell my house just to help people. Well, it's funny, Bruce. You funny, you're funny you say this. If, Raj, my son. Yeah. They're getting ready to list their house in Wichita because they're moving. They have moved now to North Carolina, so they're gonna. It's gonna go on um, the market this weekend. But his realtor was saying that the typical right now in the current marketplace, someone bids on twelve different houses before they finally win a house. Twelve bids. Well, not twelve. Wow. Bit, so twelve different. In other words, they made twelve different attempts. Right. And it dawned on me, and I told him, I said, "Well, you realize now that house sales now are an auction. Mm -hmm. The asking price is the starting is the starting bid. Starting bid. That's all it is. And then. Yep. So she, you know, so it's funny. Like his realtor said, "Okay, here's what we're going to list your house at. Here's what I think it'll probably it'll probably sell, and she some number that was." Twenty or thirty thousand right. above that. Um, so anyway, just very, very. Um, what there was another thing. His realtor was also saying almost a third of house purchases in this current marketplace were cash. Wow. I. I, I have, have thought, no. I wouldn't have thought that many people had that much cash. Isn't that interesting? Well, yeah, that's its own. So so here's the thing I was thinking about on the way in. And I told Marlena this a year and a half ago. <clears throat> so when we're in the, you know, the heat of the pandemic and the government's printing money right and left, just printing money. That's right. Sending okay. checks, yeah. sending checks, sending checks. What know. did you predict? I said we're going to have massive inflation. And here's why. Not because I'm an economist, but I did have one class in economics that I think. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. I really liked him. James Jesterton. Lawrence Jameson. No, this was in uh, high school. I didn't make it to college. Okay, so. Oh, that's right. Uh, but anyway, he was a great teacher. I loved him. It was just a lot of fun. He would sit on the corner of his desk, and he would read every morning from 
uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Okay. Just to start the day. Okay. Which was kind of gory a lot of times, but you know. As Cheers! A, right, as a teenage boy, I'm like, that's awesome, man. Yeah, cut their legs off and whatever. So, but he also taught economics. And I remember when they said, said anytime the government, he talks about what happened in Germany at the time. He said, anytime the government prints money, you're going to have massive inflation. In other words, there's nothing to back that up. We're just getting more cash into the system. Yeah, right. Well, that, so now we're paying $3 a pop for a dozen eggs and $4 for a gallon of gas. Or five nineteen, as I paid over the weekend because I've put premium in my car. Although I have questions about where that relates to pure inflation as you're talking about there yeah. and um, war in Ukraine, oh, uh, this Asian bird flu that's affecting egg prices. All of that exacerbates and, everything. Right. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. And, and to be honest... I didn't have those economics classes. I'm you generally clueless <laughs> with <clears throat> how all of those things work together. I still I'll try to read articles and, um, but, uh, but this yeah this current marketplace. Uh, well, it's a little bit like I said. If I said, all right, hey Raj, I've got a car <laughs> that I'm selling for five thousand dollars. Okay. But I'm going to give you $1,000, and I want you to pay six. So I just gave you money to pay six. The car is still only worth $5,000, but okay. you paid six for it. So now <laughs> the perceived value of that, the inflated value of that car is 6000 Okay. But it, you were able to pay the 6000 because I gave you $1,000 that you didn't earn, that you didn't make. It was just okay. there. It's like free money. All that to say... Um, inflation is real. I'm actually, it's actually affecting some of my trips now. I'm like finding out some of my Machu Picchu numbers may not hold up, as in the pricing I got. Oh. I'm like, well, that's. Oh, because the, the, the prices are changing. Yes. So I think my lock in <sighs> price is good, I hope, the, the, the whole number, but then the add ons are just going through the roof. Like if you want to do an extra hike <laughs> above Machu Picchu to this Harumbu. Thing, which is actually looks down on Machu Picchu. Well, you know, that was gonna be like a $40 hike. That may be a $100 hike now. I don't know. So we're gonna see the numbers. But, I, and of course, I get it because all of the people that are working in Peru, you know, inflation is across the board for people. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, I wonder how that even affects, yeah, like home building or any kinds of any, any place where you're telling someone the price of a thing, but now. Well, now home builders are just saying they're just doing cost plus. Because they can't tell you what the cost is. But I think, I realize even with cost plus, labor, not, they may not even be sure what labor is going to cost them at this point. Right. So it's like, whatever the materials are, this much for, you know, I'm just like, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time. One other fun factoid. Uh, so I was talking to my son, Raj. Yeah. And we were talking about how much the growth in Huntsville has been. And, you know. and Crazy. Just crazy. And it's still, I mean, like, whatever the price of building materials are it's not stopping any construction that i can see in huntsville it's just everywhere you go i cannot believe and so we were talking and i was you know i was saying yeah well you know i recently huntsville kind of overtook huntsville proper not uh, the metropolitan but the huntsville proper became the largest city in the state of alabama and he said i don't know if you know this day he said but what used to throw me he said, I used to think like Huntsville, that Mobile was so much larger than, let's say, Huntsville yep. or Birmingham. He said, so much larger. He said, because of their skyline. I would look and see, okay, there are these right. 
these yes. these tall skyscrapers, and you just see. And so it equate, you know, you have these big, tall buildings downtown. Well, that's he just automatically related that to population Largeness. size. Right. But then he found out Huntsville had a ten-story cap for decades and decades and decades and decades. You could not build. So, like the Huntsville Times building was the tallest building, as tall as you could get it. <laughs> right, and he said there was one building, and that might have been the one that was built before the ten-story. So it was eleven. Okay. And he said it was grandfathered in, but until relatively recently, he looked it up when it changed. But it's why Huntsville Skyline doesn't have that. Now they can have, and I'm yeah. curious. I'm watching one building go up floor by floor. Interesting. About two blocks from where we are sitting. Yeah. And I'm wondering how high it's going to end up going. It might be the race like they had in New York City for the tallest for building. The ta so, but I, I didn't know if you knew that. I did not know they had the 10-story rule. I knew that because I have an office downtown. I'm watching cranes all the time now. Yes. So there's cranes everywhere. And it's like, and it, I was in Nashville for two days last week, and they have the same thing. So there's all this downtown. I was on Music Row for two days at a conference, and there had these there's cranes and there's buildings and there's buildings just going up everywhere. And these then then you'll see this little tiny little mom and pop restaurant that's a little one story thing. And I'm like, how long is that gonna last? Someone's gonna offer them like ten million dollars, right? Just for that because it's in between two skyscrapers, you know. And I'm like, when I the, and a lot of these are hotels, just really tall, you know, fifteen story hotels. I'm like. At some point, someone's going to go, look, just get your little mom and pop out of there. We're going to. And that's what keeps happening. You're trying to buy up space to build up tall. So, I mean, you're and 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 how and then how tall can you go? So this is another thing that a lot of people don't know about Huntsville. Huntsville has more land mass than the state of, I mean, the city of Atlanta. Atlanta is far more population. Okay. But because we've annexed so much territory, all even into Limestone County and all that, it's like. Huntsville's got a lot of land to work Interesting. with. And, and so now we can start going up higher. We can go up higher. <laughs> At least in downtown. Out. Well, and I saw this morning, I got some notification that there's an 8,000-seat amphitheater being built. Yep. Where is that? Do you know? Mid-City. Is that Mid-City? Okay. Well, I'm, yes, I'm pretty... Well, they're, they are building an amphitheater in Mid-City. Okay, so I saw pictures of it from a drone. It's a big old thing. Yes. Giant outdoor amphitheater. Yeah, yeah that's going to be Mid-City. And it's and it's built like... One side of it's built like the Roman Colosseum, which is fascinating looking. I think... Yeah, they may be opening for venue... Uh, already taking venue, I think, for this okay. fall or something. Wow. Um, it's happening so fast. It's freaky. Yeah. It's like I don't recognize the city I've lived in for... <laughs> 28 years now? Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> and I'm seeing a lot of traffic. <laughs> uh, Congestion. I sent Roger a picture we... <laughs> this morning because I was going to be a few minutes later than I was originally late. I had already told him I was going to be late, and then it got later because I'm going halfway up the mountain, and all of a sudden it just... <laughs> there's just nothing but traffic. The Total, total of one other... We're all over the place, and I love it. Um so do you, do you love it? <laughs> when you were... <laughs> That's why I'm moving down to Blundsville. Population sixteen hundred and thirty-five. Well, I just love the fact that we don't have a <laughs> a an agenda, so we we get together and we just talk. So that's what. Um, but I know you like everything in Masters Golf Tournament. Oh, love it! So I was the story that the little house you brought up. So the, the story I read this week is there's a couple that's got a house near the Masters. 
um, and people have been making offers on the house for years and years. And all of their neighbors, everyone around them, has eventually kind of given in and sold out. Uh, even I think they had sold a house that they owned across the street okay. or something. But they've been offered up to a million dollars. It doesn't seem like much. Uh, right. I thought the same for thing. House, you know, across the street from the master. I don't know just how close it is. I mean, um, but... But no, just a older couple. They've got their little three-bedroom, two-bed house or something, and they're. It reminds me of the not animated movie Up, where he and his wife aren't going to sell. They got their little house in the oh. middle, and the skyscrapers are going up all around them, and you know he's got his little mailbox out there, and he eventually moves the house with a bunch of balloons. Which... Oh, a alert! A spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that he may or may not have. Moved his house oh, with a bunch sorry, of Sorry, kids. Balloons. No need to watch that anymore. No, it's actually quite good. It's a great story. I enjoyed that whole... that whole. I mean, the, the first old... 10 minutes will be crying because it's so sad. But then after that, it takes off a little bit, and it's a little better. The crotchety old man. Yeah. Ed Asner. Just proves the perfect person for it. So, reading this morning, just was curious. I wanted to get your take. I have my own take Ooh, on things. Okay. I'd love to get your take. So I'm reading Jesus and I'd Luke. love to give my take, yeah. And at one point, you know, of course, crowds of people are following Jesus. And he's roaming around. And again, he's sort of achieved... He's it, roaming? In our culture, roaming. Rock star status. So thousands of people are flocking out to see him. <clears throat> and at one point, someone asks him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? And I, his answer is very interesting. Of course, sometimes Jesus was, in my mind, a little cryptic in the way that he responded. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Several times. Uh, perhaps many times. But he says to this person, he said, Be careful that you enter through the narrow way, for many will seek to enter and won't be able to. Once the master of the house gets up and closes the door, there won't be anyone coming in. And you, that's interesting, person asked a question about, I think, everyone (laughs) will only a few people be saved and he said and you will be on the outside knocking and you'll be saying lord let us in you ate and drank in our streets and and you 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 taught in our city and we knew you and jesus said i never knew you get away from me evildoers and they were like shocked and they said they're weeping and gnashing of teeth and i and i thought about he said you will see and it goes back to you again he said you will see uh Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob taking their seats in the, in the kingdom of heaven, then people from the north, south, east, and west also taking part. So I was curious what your take on was, that what, what is this narrow way that Jesus alludes to, and he attaches it to entering the kingdom of heaven? What is the narrow way? Yeah, what's the narrow way? I wish you had said what I mean by narrow way is. So I'm asking Roger... <laughs> What the narrow way is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't... um, I think I bum-fuzzled the pastor. (laughs) Bum-fuzzled. It's a great word, you gotta admit. Um, Well, one way... One thing to think about is... Even when we talk about narrow way... And this few that that find it... I don't think we may have talked about this before... Some have kind of extrapolated that, okay, all down through time and yep. whatever. Um, but it's another place where you have to have caution where is part of what he's saying right now, 
only a few people mm. are entering. Um, I certainly think one part of that is there's the common way. There's the way everyone thinks things work, the things that they, they should. Um, and Jesus, in, in another teaching about the narrow way, referenced the broad road that leads to destruction, and many there be that take it. Right. It makes me think, forgive me for getting poetic, but even that, and I, I took the road less traveled by, mm -hmm. and that has made all the difference. There is the the road everyone seems to be taking, and whether it's the 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 peer pressure or just you know, this is just where the culture's going. We're heavily influenced by whatever culture we're a part of, and this is something I've been yes. thinking a great deal about. Okay. Is um, <clears throat> there's a way that seems right, and so often we look at what most people are doing. That 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 that's even what we define normal typically by is right. Majority of people, even are. a democracy, we might say, well, what defines what's good and right is going to be what the majority wants, what the majority thinks. So there's an awful lot of credibility we give to the majority, to the the heavily traveled path. But Jesus was calling people. You look how often he was. So the wide road or what if you said the wide road is um, make a name for yourself. You get followers. You want to be in charge of people. Mm hmm. But he would say, no, the, the narrow road is giving up. It's serving. It's so how many people want that road? I think I think part of what he can be talking about is we're drawn to the easier road. Right. Even if we take the road less traveled, maybe there's a road, that one that's less traveled. I, I got to cut through the thickets. Or I've got to work. I, I don't know exactly where it's going. That large travel road, even when you go down a trail, I have a certain comfort level. When I'm going down a heavily traveled path. Yes. But when I start going and I can't quite tell, is this trail going this way? And I'm not entirely sure. Well, that's... It I gets get, less traveled. I get less comfortable. Yeah. And I, I realize we are drawn to the comfortable... This is the common way. Everybody sees... And everybody does it this way. And so even, even Jesus would say, well, this is how it works in the culture. People get positioned so they can tell people what to do. But I'm telling you, greatness is letting other people tell you what to do, and you just serve them. You well, and, and it's interesting you say that, because right on the heels of that, he talks about if you're invited to an event. Right. He said, don't take the seats of honor, because Jesus looked around and he noticed how people took the seats of honor. So in their culture, right. uh, let's say it's like uh, at the um, Inner City Learning Center fundraiser I was at last Thursday. You had tables really close to the front, you know, and you have sort of sometimes these little VIP were you, and tables. Were you at the head table? Or? I was at the head table yeah, because yeah. I was speaking. And <laughs> Not because you were seeking after that. Didn't ask for it. They just said, here's your name tag. This is where you're sitting. Why didn't you just say, I want to sit at that back table? They said, because you have to get on stage within a second of your introduction. So it's it's quicker. Oh, okay. So you did insist on the back table and they Oh, abso absolutely. I said, could I just sit in the lobby? And, and watch on the, the overflow screen, room. The overflow room. But you know, I was thinking about the narrow way, and and I, of course, I'm I'm looking at. Oh, by the way, there's something I, I came up with yesterday in my counseling. You can see it on my wall there. Moments or body of work. There's a temptation to take Jesus and look at just moments, and interpret Jesus in those moments. But I, I'm always not always, but I, I seek to look at his whole body of work because he taught about the narrow road before, <laughs> and he talked before about people that call him Lord. And it's interesting. It seems to be 
the narrow way seems to be the person that not, not only calls him Lord, but actually does what, what he, he says. says. <laughs> In other words, he would say at one point, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? You know, that's like building your house on the sand. As soon as the torrent comes, it's, it's, it's wrecked. You're, you're wasting your life. If you know about Jesus, you know about his teaching. You might even know a tremendous amount about the Bible. But if you're not actually putting the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus into effect, you're not actually doing them. It seems to me that that is the narrow way. It, because the, the teaching of Jesus on certain things, on many things, it just seems hard. Countercultural. Love right. your enemies. Serve everybody. Uh, pray for people that, that persecute Love you. Love mercy. Forgive no matter what. <laughs> Mercy triumphs over justice. Give you know, when someone asks you. Give when someone share. asks you. Uh, if someone takes from you, don't demand it back. Just give it to them. If someone, this is countercultural America. Someone sues you and asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. Yeah. And it seems like, well, I could never do that. So some people have taken the words of Jesus and actually said, well, these were metaphorical kinds of teachings about the way and the the kingdom come, the kingdom in the in the next realm. And I'm like, no, no, I think Jesus meant right now. This is this is the way to live right now and it is a narrow way it's and it, well, i love what you said about because i've been on paths like that before where i'm like all of a sudden you're ducking and there's 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 it's just not clear you can see sometimes you wonder am i on a game trail yeah instead of a a, a walk you know right. walking past right. a human trail but often those will lead you to some really cool destinations yes some stuff you will never see the average person misses and the it. average person isn't seeing and that's why i think about the way of christ in this narrow way I have determined, and I share this with clients, I share this from the stage, the narrow way, this, this actually doing what Jesus said, as countercultural as it seems and as hard as it seems, it is the key to emotional health. It's the key to actually a fulfilling life. Yeah. It's the key to a joy-filled life. Because I, I thought, I was just praying to God the other day and just saying, thank you for the gift of forgiveness. And it's the gift of me being able to forgive someone else. Yeah. You know why that's a gift? I'm not hanging on to anything. Yeah. I don't have any negative emotions about that event. Stuff that's eating you alive about on that the inside. Person. I literally just go, they are free. They don't owe me anything. I pray that you'll bless them. And what happens is something in me has peace. Yeah. And I wonder if the broad road, although most people are on it, but they don't have peace. They're worrying about things and they're they're wanting yeah. to get theirs. And they want to make sure that if someone you know, screws them, that they're going to screw them. And it, right. it's that. But this narrow way that Jesus is on is the beautiful way. Yeah. It's the path less taken, and it has made all the difference. It's So anyway, that was my take on this narrow way. I'm like, and, and I keep coming back to, in my preaching and teaching and any opportunity I give people, I'm going to just keep compelling people to actually do it. Yeah. You know, my thing is not just teach the way of Christ, but Jesus said teach them to obey. Right. Do, actually do this stuff. Watch what happens. Right. Watch what God does in your life. Watch what God does in your spirit. Watch what God does about worry and about stress and about anxiety. Yeah. There's just there's just so much. Anyway, even the narrow way of forgiveness, which we think is so hard. When someone has wronged us, seems it feels very powerful to, I'm going to withhold forgiveness and I'm going to be angry about that and I'm going to write them off. It can even feel that that forgiveness is maybe even unhealthy. Well, not only that, but it feels just. Mm, yes. But Jesus says mercy triumphs Triumph. over justice. Yeah. That is the God that we serve. Think about that. So many people think of God as only justice. And what I teach more and more is, no, God is good. God is love. And God is just. Right. As human beings, we can't possibly 
hold all of those things. Uh, on my best day, I can't be one of right. the three. Yeah. I might have a component of one of those three, but I can't be all three. And that's the thing about that I love about just trusting Jesus. He is good. Yeah. He is love, mm -hmm. but he's also just. And those aren't antithetical. Those yep. are not in opposition to each other. Uh, Maria and I were having an interesting talk about C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where he talks about, you know, he's even, it's this whole idea of heaven and hell and hell on earth. Mm -hmm. And how a lot of people just, you, you end up living in a hell on earth that you've mm -hmm. created. And, and he, at one point he says, at the end of the day, there will be those that say to God, thy will be done. And those that God says to them, your you will, will be, be done. done. <laughs> and that's sobering. Because I'm like, man, I want, I want this narrow way. I was even praying, and God, just keep me on the narrow way. Because yeah. I, it, there, there's always a temptation to stray off it, particularly when you can see the broad path over there. A lot of people over there. A lot of people <laughs> over there. Bigger, wider. It looks easier. Yeah. But we're missing this, this incredible path that Jesus has for us. All, all that to say, as I was thinking and reflecting this morning, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed my life. It wasn't the church, per se, that changed my yeah, life. Right. It wasn't the Bible, per se, that changed my life. All those great things. What changed me is the teaching, the commands of Jesus Christ, when I put them into effect, that really began to change every part of me, the internal part of me, where I'm not just worried about the things that I do or the things that I say when I say worried. I'm not even, I'm very aware of how I think now. Mm-hmm. You know, because thoughts yeah. lead to, to words and actions. Right, right. And I'll find myself even confessing thoughts that were wrong. Years ago, I would have never thought to confess a thought. But that's, mm -hmm. this narrow way is, I, I want to be so in tune with the way of Christ that I am, and it's not oppressive. I don't want it to sound, it's yeah. not oppressive. It's freeing to go, I don't want anything between me and another human being, between me and God. I just want to live out this this way of love and forgiveness and care and grace and serving. Yeah, but and yes, and I, I that's important clarifier because it isn't driven to the degree that I'm where you are in that it's not driven by wanting to follow the narrow way because God's just watching to see if I oh you're starting to go to that that um, broad path broad path so I'm going to zap you or there's going to no it now it flows out of first of all. Love and trust. In other words, right. where where Jesus is leading me, and this is where I'm getting more. I, he's taking me playing places I'm not comfortable with. I don't like, but I found what you found. Oh, when I go down that path, there's some good things that happen, even if it's hard. Even right. if it's I've observed enough experientially, and it's what I trust and believe. I believe he's good, and I believe where he's taking me. So now it's. I want to go where he's going. And it and it, so now then also not just the trust factor but I want to be with him. Yes. I love him. He's going that way. Listen, he he loves people on the broad road but but he's on the narrow road. He's going that way. I want to be in my best moments. I want to be on the path with him. And and he's always inviting. Right. Always inviting those on the narrow road. And well, that's even... what he did all the time. He was always he was always calling off the from even where he said, you've heard it said, everybody yes. thinks this. Yes. This is the way it's done, but I say but to I you. But I say to you. But this was the call. Narrow road. No, come on. Come, no, no, no. Way too many. That, wait. That whole, don't buy the idea that that's the best road. 
that so, that's the road to yes. happiness and joy and abundant life. No, come follow me, and you're going to find your life. Yeah. The, the broad road looks, that looks like the way to life. Because everyone, everyone that brought, they're looking for, they're looking for life. Sure. They're looking for joy and hope and meaning. And Jesus says, you follow me, you, you're going to follow that life. And even if it costs you your life, e even if taking this narrow tra trail has enormous costs for you, costs you your life, costs you your job, costs you your houses and lands, um, costs your health, whatever. Oh, you're you're going to be glad you took this trail. Oh, yeah. So, G yeah, Jesus would say, you know, there's going to be people that kill you in my name, you know, believing they're doing a service to God. But don't worry, not a hair of your head will perish. It's just he's always pointing us to the narrow road leads to life. Yeah. Leads to life, eternal life, this ongoing life. You're never going to regret having taken the road less traveled. You're, you're not, you're. Yes. It's even the poet at the end saying, oh, that's made all the difference. Don't regret for a second. So glad I took. Uh, on a narrow way, you're going to come run into some tight spots. <laughs> it happens. Uh, we went yep. through uh, uh, on my Grayson Highlands trip last weekend in Damascus, around Damascus, Virginia, on the Appalachian Trail. Had six inches of snow, blinding 40 mile an hour winds and in snow. In mid April. Isn't wide that out, funny? Wide out conditions. You know, we're up at like 5,000 feet. Right. And at one point, it just looks like Arctic. The Arctic Circle. I mean, because you can't see any of the normal, you can't see the mountains around you. You can't see landmarks. So you start losing, yeah, oh, I orientation. Totally, oh my goodness! Second day, we got out of our tents, and we had just literally we got onto the we got onto the highlands after we went over uh, Wilburn Ridge, which is an incredible. It like it looks like pictures of Everest up top. It's just cool, and it's the wind and snow is blowing up there, which makes it that much cooler. Well, we got down onto the onto what's called the highlands, and it's wide open. Well, the wind is howling down there. Just blowing snow. You can't Sensei. see. And you realize we can't stay in this very long. We're, we're all dressed up and super warm. You just can't. You're going to get super cold. It's just too much wind. The wind, when they got that much wind, it starts. You're too much in the open. You're so too you're, much in the okay, open. Okay. So I bailed on where we were planning to camp. And I said, look, there looks like a knoll over there. We need to get behind something. We need a windbreak. We've got to get behind something where we Good can even set up a tent. Yes, right. So we found this kind of windbreak over just a knoll, and the wind was coming just over the top like a wind tunnel, just enough. Now, you're still setting up tents, even behind this knoll. You're just getting one stake in the ground, and the rest of the tent's just blowing like crazy. You just got one stake. And then you get that one in good, and then you go to the other corner, and you get the second stake. And the rest of the tent is still just blowing downwind. And it's literally, you get four corners. It's very slow, very tedious. Because you have to get the stakes in good, and there's so much snow, you have to get down below the snow. Okay. To the ground. Oh gosh. The snow's oh, yes. not going to hold. <laughs> not going to hold the tent. So it takes That's a long true. time to get tents set up, and then when I started putting the poles up, the wind's blowing so much sideways. I've got I've got a center pole that's just laying over like this. You know, when we're, we're putting up the tent, and I get the the cover on it, and I'm trying to keep that middle, and the, I just had to give up. All night I slept with a tent that was just sideways. Okay. Because the way the wind is blowing, there's no way to to guy it out enough to keep that wind. And they yeah. didn't want to break the tent trying to That's all that say. Once you got in your tent, it was glory hallelujah. It's just cool because now it warms up immediately. You're out of the you're out of the wind more than mm -hmm. anything. Because mm -hmm. you know the cold it was only like thirty something degrees, but with that kind of wind, it feels like negative wind chill numbers. Yep. yep. You get inside your tent, you're like, oh, this is great. So we had our tents next to each other and we're talking. We couldn't have a fire to talk around. So we're literally just talking between tents because they're all so set they're there together. So they're real close, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, within feet of each other. Okay. And we had a great night just talking about 
all of that stuff. And How many were on this trip? So just three of us. Okay. Oh, so it's a very okay. small trip. It was a father, son, and myself, and it was part of my hiking club. And a lot of people, once they saw the weather forecast, just bailed. Because <laughs> originally we had like nine people that were going to go. And then they're like, snow and wind. They and missed the narrow way. They missed the narrow way. There was the three, and then there were the six. So the next day I get up, Roger. Beware the six. And it snowed far more overnight. And we could hear it, you know, just coming in a sleet and snow. And it's that little pelletized snow. Yeah. That's like the, what are they, those things called that you can, the pellet ice cream things. Anyway, but that's the kind of Rock snow you're getting. Or, oh, no, no, it's just like little round pellet, like little round white BBs. Yes, okay, okay. So I know. snow yes. is BBs. Okay, right, okay. Well, it's everywhere. We got up the next morning, and I'm completely disoriented. I can't even see Wilburn Ridge. I can't see what we just came over. It's so you've got like 30 feet that you can see. So I'm working with all trails on my phone, and I'm trying to figure out where is Mount Rogers because we're going to do a day hike out to Mount Rogers, the tallest point, you know, in that part Gosh. of uh, Virginia. And so we finally, and we're, I'm off trail and on trail. We finally find a trail. And we, when I say trail, okay. We're just assuming it's a trail. It's just covered in white. Exactly. Right. We don't know where the trail is. And when you're on highlands that are clear, it's just, I've got one fabulous picture of, of the father and son walking on the highlands, and it's just like frozen tundra. There's no like they're, landscape. Like they're in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. It looks right. like they're on the Arctic Circle. Okay. I mean, it's just wild looking. <laughs> but we finally, after like an hour of wandering around, get to Mount Rogers. Thank goodness for all trails. Of course, then I'm thinking my battery is going to go dead because when it gets that cold, then I'm like, how are we going to get back to our camp? Because all trails, I have a point where I know where our camp is. You can put a waypoint in. So it'll show a black dot. This is camp. But if that goes out. It, it, so you're it, getting a little nervous. Oh, I was nervous as a tick. I was just like, <laughs> I, I'm like. We, but I had another battery with me. Actually, I had two batteries with me, which was great. So, so I could recharge my phone. Anyway, I got to Mount Rogers. Beautiful. Now they're up there. There's like eight inches of snow, which you're post-holing a couple of times. Twelve inch drifts. Some of Mount Rogers, and then we wander. When I say wander, back to camp. You ought to see the, you know, the, because the, it'll show a red, the red line of how you got back how, to camp. Oh, you okay? And at one point, I'm just looking. And I'm like, this is, and I see about 300 yards across. I see my orange tent. And I'm like, that's camp. So I immediately felt that flood of relief. So now we're just going straight across to this thing. This camp There's means no you can trail. warm up. You can we get can oriented. Warm up, we can get lunch. <laughs> and then we can start the day two because we're going to be hiking on day two as well. And it was just fun. I mean, that was it was a great trip. But I, I did shorten the trip. We were supposed to do a huge loop around this thing called the scales. And I'm like, in these conditions... I'm just not comfortable with that. Yeah, uh, It's just, if we got way far away from the parking area and had a hard, it, it might be hard to get back. So we kind of retraced our steps and then camped just outside Grayson Highland State Park. You can't, can't actually camp in the state park. So we were right on the edge of a beautiful okay. campsite and we were determined to get a fire started. You'll love this. I use a marine flare. I'm like, I can get a fire started. In. I've got a marine flare. It burns like an acetylene torch for three minutes. So we get all this wood piled in there and small stuff and little things. And whoosh, burns for three minutes. Nothing. I mean, you just couldn't get a fire. So I'm like, that's just not going to happen. The other guy works for like 30 minutes, keeps trying it. He's putting his like stove in there with the burner, just trying to get uh -huh. something not happening. So I cook my meal. We're outside. We're going to sit outside, doggone it, because, you know, but at that point, the... <laughs> We're not in massive wind. We're off the highlands. Right. We've got our trees set up under these. I mean, our tent set under these beautiful evergreen trees, just tucked away out of the wind. 
the ponies are roaming around, these wild ponies up there. And so I get my food cooked. I'm now committed. How did you get your food? Oh, you had to cook it. So we got, yeah, yeah. So we have a little stove, cooked cook okay. it. It was yummy. It's going to be chicken and ramen and all this good stuff that when it's cold, that just is really good. And Roger, the worst snowstorm we had of the entire trip hit just as soon as I started eating. So now there's just just mountains of snow falling on everything, covering within minutes, covering everything. Including you your ramen. You're trying to eat. You've got snow it's on now you. Luke it's now lukewarm. It's melting. 30 seconds. Snow's in. just... But you have to finish it. I'm like, I'm not, again, yeah, it was just so bizarre. So then by five o'clock, it's back to the tents. Do I mean, so much snow out there, you can't just sit in it because you're, you're getting right. covered. And because you have body heat, then it starts turning into water. Okay. And water's not bad, good. not good. So it's flee to the tents. And then hour and a half later, you know, it stops snowing. So I come back out and the, the ponies have come close. So I'm getting a picture of a pony. Well, he just comes these right are just up wild to me. Horses. Wild ponies that they released in the 30s up there on the highlands. Yeah, that is awesome. And but apparently they're hungry. They can't eat their grass because it's under six inches of snow. <laughs> so he comes up and just starts nibbling on my jacket. What? Yes, I'm like, okay, bad pony. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no. No. Heal. <laughs> and you know the, the other guys are like, hey, we've got some popcorn. We can go. I said, whatever you do, don't feed them. Yep. I said, if you feed them, they will never go away. And so I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to my tent. At that point, he had, he kind of moved off toward their tent. I'm just letting you know. So this other guy's got a great video of that horse sticking his face through the fly of his tent, where he just zipped it to see it. The horse stuck his muzzle in there, just looking for food. I'm like, it's very disorienting. So great trip, but uh, that was the Broadway most of the time. When I say you couldn't even find the trail, we're just like wandering on this huge. The other great thing about a narrow trail, I just thought about it, is it's better defined. The narrow trail has a little more definition. Yeah. Oh, I remember where I was going with that. We had to go through Fat Man Squeeze on day. Yeah, two. yeah. You were starting risks. So I there's gonna... this thing. You're, you're on Wilburn Ridge. If you, if you go around the ridge instead of over it, we went over it on day one. Conditions have gotten so bad now. I'm like, we're not going over the top. We're just going to fall. It's going to be bad. So you go around it. And in one section, you go through about a 20-foot section that's about two feet wide. And you got backpacks on. So like you're just wriggling through there. And you're, it's a tight spot. But it's cool as well. I got pictures of them coming out the okay. other side. Because it's completely dark in there. Then you start seeing light at the end. It's like a little tunnel through rock right. thing. Anyway, it was fascinating. So, what did you want to talk about today? It was my <laughs> narrow road um, diatribe. No, it's good. I um, Maybe the only other little thing that comes to mind was beware... I mean, I love what you've said because this is really where it comes down to doing. Yes. It's, it's, and maybe that's just where we should stay. Because if, if I think again and back to where Jesus comments, he even asked the one time, okay, there was a son whose father asked him to do something. He said, I'm going to do it. Dad, I'm going to get right on it. I'm going to do it. it. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty much Bruce. And he didn't do it. Then there was the one who said, nah, not interested in it, Dad. But then he went ahead and did it. And then Jesus, well, who went, who actually did the will of his the father? Will of his father. And it's, well, the one who did. And it, it, I guess it's just wrapping with this idea. The, the, the broad road could be full of a lot of people 
who are saying the right thing and have good intentions. Good intentions. I, I, I believe this, that first son right. had every intention of actually right. doing it. And it's why I think it's fair to say, and I'm not. I got to wrestle with God, which road I'm on at any given moment. But part of what I hear you saying is, and you'd hear this in the words of the prophets as well, it's not the people who are saying, Lord, Lord. It's not, even when the prophets, they would come and say, yeah, you're com- you have your services, you're coming in, and you got your festivals, and you're doing these things that Jesus, that, that God... The external things. <clears throat> but justice has gone by the wayside. You're not paying people properly. You're abusing here. You're... And so just the sobering word, even in churches today, in a church, there are people that are on the broad road. There are people on the narrow road. And at some point, yeah, the narrow road is well, people who are actually doing it. And I wonder if also, if you don't see an analogy, <coughs> even where, even where at this point, more than once, but I think one particular, <coughs> the crowds had gotten quite big. Yeah. And then Jesus starts talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. If you're going to follow me, my flesh is real food, real drink, you know, and you're going to, and this idea is, is, oh, this is a hard saying. And many left. And, uh, yeah, <coughs> and this is a hard saying. Uh, <coughs> understatement of the year. But the analogy for me is, it's very easy to do that. And even today, Jesus can make a hard call. We look at one statement, but I think there's a larger picture here. Jesus says, my way looks this way. And we've got to beware. We sometimes will just say, oh gosh, that's too hard. And it's, for most of the people, most of it, it's not... Oh, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. In other words, I'm not denouncing Christianity. I'm not. I just don't do what he says. I say, that's too much. Whether that's someone saying, oh, I can't forgive that. Or, oh, I couldn't give that much. Or if someone's suing me, I'm not going to possibly I, right. give I mean, them more than they're asking. Yeah, you're not going to. More than um, they're demanding. Surely God didn't. Surely Jesus, he would understand or. And we just have to beware the tendency to dismiss the hard words. Um, and I know our time's running up, but I was thinking about this whole thing when she was talking about nullifying, nullify, you know, taking one th- good thing and nullifying that. He says, you've got this law about right. self devoted to God. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. And actually, that's a big deal. Devoting money to God. Um but you can actually, he said, it's got no place, you don't realize it, that now honoring your father and mother. And so they need some financial help, whatever. But no, I've devoted this to God. Um, so I'm he, not going to help you. Right. So I'm not bound to this instruction. I don't. And and Jesus just issuing the caution, you have to be very careful of the how easy it can be to nullify a hard word or a difficult word or a, um, cause I even thought about, you know, how even when we were growing up, how strong the word was about the tithe, the tithe oh, yeah. goes to church, the tithe. Yep. And I realized any idea that you would take 
the ten percent set aside the tithe and help somebody in poverty and help your parents help help someone in need. Oh no, that's not what the tithe is for. That's well, I'm, here I'm not saying our emphasis on the tithe was a bad thing, but we always have to be careful that we're not ruling out, nullifying, erasing yeah. is is another way you can yeah. interpret that. And I, I think it's just easy with the hard words of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Very easy to say, yeah, oh gosh, I'm a follower. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I do. But I'll tell you, I still run the moments. You know, I told you some things with my taxes. You know, yeah. okay, I just, you know, my tax bill has gotten so high. And then suddenly I remember all this cash I was paid for this job I had. Yeah. And and, it, and there's just this moment where I think the hard way of just, oh, Pay the taxes that you owe. Trust God. Be honest. And I'm sitting saying, it's hard because it's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me right. hundreds of dollars to be honest about that. And just in the smallest little way, I was just filling the pole of the broad road and the narrow. Because gobs of people would say, ah, it was cash. That's not a big right. There's no a term that's used under the table. Oh, under the right. That's, and everyone... Everyone understands. You only pay tax for what's on the table. Right. But for things under the table, you don't pay right. tax. Right. It's not that. a... And I think that's... it's a, But that's sort of Broadway thinking. And Jesus... But Jesus is saying, don't make that trade-off. You're going to be glad. Raj, okay. That being honest and being whole, uh, being uh, integrity, which is what whole... You know, this idea yeah. is going to be better off then that five, four, five hundred dollars, it's going to cost you, so, and it's true. So don't live on Broadway. I just remember there was a, there was a there was a there was a, a street coming through Nashville, Broadway that I was turning on. I was like, yeah, interesting, Broadway. I wonder if there's another road in a city they called Narrowway. You know, where it's just, right. I don't know, it's more like an alley that you're, right. that you're that you're going through. Here's where I wanted to finish because one of the beautiful yeah. teachings of Jesus was always, it's never too late to repent. Because he would always, when he would tell those stories, he would say. He would say, unless you repent, you you know, you too will perish. This, we talk, I, the, the tower right. that fell on people, don't imagine that they're worse than you. You've still got time. Right. And it's like, it, I was telling someone yesterday in their 70s, hey, it's never too late to turn things around. It's never too late to begin stewarding your life well. It's never too late to, to begin following Jesus. It's That's, never too late from moving from the broad road to the narrow, narrow. road. Even Absolutely. If I, I drift back Even over to the I've other. I've been on the broad road all right. my life. Right. Or if I've just been wandering between right. the two. Wondering between, yeah. It's never too late. That's why, and of course, Jesus tells that story about, because he was talking about this repentance thing. He said, he said, by the way, if your adversary is taking you to court, he said, do everything you can to be reconciled with him on the way, or he might hand you over to the judge, and the judge might hand you over to the magistrate, and he might hand you over to the jailer. You're not going to get out until you pay everything. Right. It's this thing of, while there's time, be reconciled with God and people. Get on this narrow road. Do the things that Jesus said. It's not too late. Join the narrow road crusade. Take the road less traveled by, and that will make all the difference. Take the road less traveled. It has far less travel. Gravel. Never mind.